Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to be reading uh, two verses of Scripture before I pray this morning out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And I want you to do what I've asked you to do in the past. And some people are good at it and other people struggle with it. So wherever you are on that scale, I really want you today to try to focus. Look at somebody say focus. The devil would love for you to notice everything in this room right now other than what God has to say to you. The devil would love for you to think, oh, that'd be a good message for so-and-so, or, oh, I know what that message says, but you need to listen. The, the Bible talks about um, hear what the Spirit says. You need to hear what God's Spirit says to you. So what I need is I need some agreement today. Uh, the Bible says that unity is the place where God commands the blessing. I want to tell you this. I believe that God is real. Can anybody agree with me on that? I believe that God's book is perfect. Can anybody agree with me on that? I believe that God loves us and has something to say specifically to us today. Can you agree with me on that? Amen. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled Translate, Transform, and Transition. Now, this should be on the screen, but we're having technical difficulties, so I'm going to tell you the title of the sermon again. Translate, Transform, and transition. I want you to get it in your mind so good, I'm going to let those who will, because some of y'all don't participate, I get that, but I'm going to let those who will help us to remember it this morning. Say, say this after me. Translate, transform, transform transition. transition. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today. God, I pray that right now, Lord, you would Shield and shelter me, God, and speak through me. Father, I pray that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind, strengthen my body, God, to say only the things that would be sound doctrine that would glorify you, God. I pray that you would teach us today from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are living in a great time of change. Can anybody agree with that? We are living in the weirdest time in the history of the known world. Our world has changed. COVID-19 has changed so much about our way of life. Coronavirus has changed so much about our way of life. Um, whether, whether it be the, the way we meet and greet each other at church, churches shutting down. They got politicians now trying to pass bills to say that only 10 people could gather together in a church. You imagine being in a church that regularly runs 10, 15,000 people going into a big old giant cavern like that and having 10 folk there? Shocker. Um, but it, so much has changed, but life is about change. This, this time frame that we're in, though, is, is a huge change. School, for some of us, 
started back. Now, I'm going to let y'all know. People are like, Pastor, what are you going to do about school? You going to send yours back to school? Well, Jake graduated last year, but Seth sure went back to school this week. Uh, and I thank God for it because, you know, I need the break. That's just a mild joke. Uh, we have a lot of fun. But uh, school is back. That's a big change, especially because, man, my, my kids said it seemed like forever since school, school was in. Think about how long ago they shut school down, what, March of last year? And so it's been a long time. So this is a big change, say change. Uh, not only uh, school, personally, I closed on a, a new house. I, I bought a house I moved this week, um, and so that, that's a lot of transition. They talk about uh, moving being one of the most stressful things you can do. I thank God. I was telling the staff this morning when we prayed in my office before I came out, I thank God that I'm upright and moving this morning uh, because we, we were back and forth in furniture and boxes and stuff all day yesterday, me and my two kids in three vehicles, um, and I was going to just supervise, but I ended up on the other side of a recliner and some different furniture pieces. And uh, so thank God for uh, keeping my body together. Uh, continue to pray for my back and my neck is always a challenge, but lots of different transition. My mom this week, uh, some of y'all remember my mom. Uh, my mom was a, a key part of our church for many years from the beginning. And in, in, wild, in, in just the wildest move I ever saw my mom make in her 70s, she decided to internet date and get married. Isn't that crazy, Vicky? She just decided I would find me a man on the internet. And so my mom found herself a man on the internet. And uh, they, they, it was awesome, great, uh, wonderful. And things worked out. Um, and, but her husband, has been ailing over the past few years. She moved. She, she left North Florida after being here forever, uh, moved out into the panhandle with him, and he's been ailing for a while. Uh, he actually uh, spent the last portion of his life in hospice, and he made his transition this week. Uh, and uh, so now mom uh, is moving back to North Florida and, and going to become a, a vital member of Abundant Life again. Amen. So that's, that's another transition. Um, Deacon Mills. Deacon Mills' mother died yesterday. Um, and so the, she made her transition. And, and, it, and, and we, we, we use these phrases like so-and-so made their transition. Uh, but it's not just their transition. It's a transition for everybody. When, when a family member dies, it, 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 it puts a change on everybody. So school's in. Life's changing. Corona has got everything whacked. I'm going to tell you all what. If they shut restaurants down again, I'm going to be upset. Upset. We were driving to Georgia when they opened restaurants back up because Florida didn't have restaurants open. Um, so uh, lots of change going on. The soon the season will be changing. For some of y'all that don't like hot weather, number one, why'd you move to Florida? It's not a mystery. Ooh, it's hot. What'd you think it was going to be? I tell you what, move to the upper peninsula of Michigan and get in about January up there and just stand around and tell everybody from Michigan, oh, it's just cold here. I just don't, I just don't like the cold. They look at you like, that's what we do. But the season's about to change. We got a lot of change going on, and I want you to hear me well. Change is hard. 
Change is hard on everybody. Some people deal with it better, but most people resist change. We want what we want. We want the way we want it. Um, we, we are creatures of habit. We do things the same way. You got your morning routine. You got your daytime routine. You got the way you sit in your car when you drive. You got the way you like to hold the steering wheel. It's so funny. Most people my age and older, um, and, I, and I saw my son doing it one time. I saw Jake doing it one time. I'm like, why are you driving like that? He said, well, you do it. Why can't I do it? And then I realized he's driving an automatic with his hand on the gear knob. And then, well, that's how we drove because everybody my age or older had a stick shift. And so now we got a generation of young people that couldn't drive a stick shift to save their life or to, or to stop the Chinese virus. Uh, and I call it Chinese virus because it's from China. Don't get upset. That wasn't racist. Uh, they drive with their hand down here, uh, but it just, it, it, it makes no sense. But we do things out of habit, say habit. So when something changes and tries to impose its will on us to make us change, we resist. Say resist. Oh, I'm a resistor. I'm going to tell you for sure. I, 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 told, them, I told them the other day, uh, uh, this, this whole Mask thing. Now, I'm for masks if you're for masks. I'm for no mask if you're for no mask. Personally, I like to breathe. And, and I don't breathe. I don't, I've got small nose holes, and I don't breathe that well on the regular anyway. So I just tell them. I was in a store in Jacksonville uh, two days ago. I walked in. You know, they screamed me down in the doorway. Uh, and they said, sir, 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 mask, mask, mask. I said, you know, I, I, I got a breathing situation. And they said, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, I do have a breathing situation. I like to breathe. But if you're for masks, do masks. If you're not, don't. Listen, uh, one thing is, uh, this, this shouldn't be up for debate. You should wash your hands whether you believe in it or not. Amen. But let's, let's get, when you're forced to change, people don't like it. People resist. It's so funny. In business school uh, or, and, and in personal management leadership courses, they, they teach a, a process of, called giving the power away. Giving the power away. When you want to make a big organizational change, they teach the CEO to give the power away and let the organization or someone powerful inside the organization make it think it's their idea. It's, it's like if, if, if Deacon West, who's sitting on for wave it everybody, Deacon, if Deacon West uh, was, was, was against, if I knew he was against something that, that I wanted to do, and I knew he was going to resist it and buck and shout and, and fight it down, which he wouldn't, but if he was that kind of guy, you know, every church has got one of those, they, they, or, and every organization has one of those. What they say is get him to be on board and make him think it's his idea. Because if I tell him we're going to do this way, uh, that's not a good idea because Deacon West would never resist like that. Let me, let me talk about children because y'all know how they are. Children books the same way. Give the power away. Now, I never did this because I don't negotiate with terrorists. And anybody living in my house trying to tell me what to do, I deem a terrorist. But the, the children's experts say instead of telling your child you have to go to bed at 830, tell them, look, you can go to bed at 8.15 or 
Or you can go to bed at 8.30. It's up to you. See what I just did? I gave the power away. And, and the kid's like, well, it's my choice. I'm going to bed at 8.30. Okay, well, you decided. That's your idea. No need to fight it. No need to resist it. Here, let them know. You can do your homework now, or you can do your homework in 20 minutes. They decided. So uh, it, the reason why this, this give the power away strategy is taught throughout all organizations is because if people think that the change is something that they created, they're less likely to resist it. Are you following me? But if the change is something that's being imposed on you, there are some people that would say no to anything just because it wasn't their idea. There are some people that would say no to anything just because they didn't come up with it and we are predisposed to resist change. So the title of today's sermon, Translate, Transform, and Transition, all these words talk about change. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the punchline right now. Typically, I'll hold the punchline to the end, but I don't want you to sleep on me this morning, so I'm going to let you know right now, hear me well. God wants us to change. I'm going to give it to you again. God wants us to change. Now, you, now a smart person be thinking, change what? And the answer is almost what? Everything. Because we're whack. We, we, we got our own ideas and, and, and left to ourselves. The Bible says a child left to himself will bring his mother and father to shame. So what happens to a Christian left, left with, with no instruction and no guidance? They bring God to shame. So we've got to change. Say change. God wants us to change. God wants us to grow through every season of our life. And some of you are in a difficult season right now, and you're not growing through it. And I'm going to remind you, God will not let you fail and move on. This is not the, the Baltimore school district. I saw uh, a report. How many high school students in Baltimore, what, what percentage of high school students in Baltimore do you believe are proficient in math? 50, 15, 30, look this up. Every single high school student in the city of Baltimore, Maryland is below state. Not one student in the entire city of Baltimore in high school is on proficiency in math. But they keep passing them. If you've been around long enough, you know they passed some people that they weren't supposed to pass. They just moved them on, moved them on, moved them on. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't pass us along. Now, I, there's certain things I love about the way God does stuff. There's other stuff that I'm thinking, eh, that's rough. Personally, and I've told you all this before, there, there's some challenges I have in my life and that, that I failed the test. And I just assume God give me an F and let it drag my GPA down to make me keep taking that class over and over and over. Some of y'all been taking the same challenge over and over and over and over and over and over. And you're just like, come on, God, just give me an F, a D minus. I don't care. I just don't want to keep taking this same challenge over and over and over again. But the Bible calls it God's grace uh, that allows us to take the retest. Um, listen, start passing it. 
or you're going to be taking it forever. Start overcoming the challenge. But when you find yourself in a different situation, and, and we call these difficult seasons, hard seasons, listen, unless you grow through it, you're not going to move past it. Y'all didn't hear me. Wherever you are in life is where God wants you to be because God is overriding everything. God is in charge. God is king supreme. And wherever you are in life right now, if you don't pass if you don't grow through that season, then you're not going to move on from it. Some of y'all just wish y'all could get on and get away and change and get past what's your issue right now. But listen, until you pass the test, you got to keep taking it. So guess what we ought to do? We got to pass the test, but we got to figure out how to pass the test. Understand this. Every, every season in your life is beneficial. Every difficult part of your life is beneficial. Every pain has purpose. Every problem has a, a, a reason behind it. There's a reason for your season. You just got to learn how to grow through it instead of, listen, grumble in it. Because we're good at that. We're good at the grumbling in it. We're good at the complaining. I'm just so tired of this. I'm so tired of that. Listen, I'm, I'm not exempt. I'm right there. This is, I, I'm tired of this, this coronavirus. I'm, I'm tired of them telling me I got to wait in a restaurant. It's half empty. There's six booths right there. Social distancing. I'm like, come on, man. I'm not going to sneeze on nobody. But we've got to grow in the season that we are. Let's get into it. In our text, Colossians 1, verse 12, says, giving thanks to the Father. Oh, I wish that was on the screen so you could see it. It says, giving thanks to the Father. Let's see who's paying attention. Giving thanks to who? giving thanks to the Father. I believe that your life would change faster by giving thanks to God that more so than anything else. If you really want to fast-track some change, positive change, forward momentum, if you want to catapult yourself into a higher season with God, if you would just begin to give thanks to the Father, hear me good, your life would change. Now, I'm not talking about the change we resist. I'm talking about the change we want. Because if you're saved, you want to do better. If you're saved, you want to be who God wants you to be. But all that murmuring and complaining, all that gossip and griping, all that grumbling and mumbling, that is not going to propel you into a higher season with God. We've got to be thankful. Say thankful. It says giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, if you are born again, check this out. The Bible says you're a saint. Now, typically when we think saints, because there was a point in time, and I've shared this with you before, um, well, I'll just ask it again. I was born into the Catholic Church. Uh, I, I grew up in my early years in the, Catholic, in, in the Roman Catholic Church, and, the, and I've told you all the Roman Catholic Church has influenced religion around the world. Um, to this day, how, how many people ever were in their lifetime a Catholic? Anybody besides me? Okay, a handful of people in the room. Listen, everybody that raised their hand and didn't raise their hand, your religious thought, theory, and theology has been shaped by the Roman Catholic Church because there was a time when everyone who was a Christian was a Catholic. And they, they ensured that through the Holy Wars because they went around the planet killing everybody who wasn't a Catholic. Okay, that's a pretty good church growth strategy. 
we just roll up on the Baptist church and ask them, hey, Y'all want to join Abundant Life? No? Bam, bam, bam. Anybody want to join Abundant Life? Thought so. Let's get it. (laughs) But so typically, because of the overriding influence of the Roman Catholic Church, when we hear the word saint, we think of some lofty creature of nobility because they put together a sainthood process where you had to pass all these exceptional things and had to have an exceptional life. I want you to know, if you're saved at all, God views you as a saint. You ought to just tell him. Instead of being Mr. C, you could just be Saint Mr. C. That's how God sees it. And, but he says, listen, listen to what he says. And we got to get this technology fixed because people need to put their eyes on this. If you don't have your Bible in front of you, you're going to have to listen well. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Qualified. God qualified us. And, and that's why so many people use, use that cliche when it comes to pastors and people serving God, that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. People want pastors to be perfect. Uh, none of us are perfect, but if you're saved, hear me good, you're qualified. God qualifies his children to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. Now let's get into this translation. Verse 13 says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I want you to get this reality. This is what Christianity is. Being translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. I'm going to tell you again, then we're going to have a test on it. Here's what Christianity is. Being translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. So Christianity starts when you get translated from the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his son. Now, I want to tell you before the test, everybody starts off in the kingdom of darkness. Nobody's been a Christian their whole life. If you ask somebody how long you've been saved, and they say, forever, I've been saved my whole life, they don't understand salvation because the Bible says that we're all born dead in trespasses and sin, that we must all be born again. So God wants to translate us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. So what's this place we all start in? The kingdom of what? And God wants to change, translate us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of what? His son. Now I want to ask you this, and don't answer out loud, but think about it in your mind. Have you been supernaturally translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son? And I want to help you. If you're not sure, the answer is no. Say, well, how can you be so sure of that, Pastor? Listen, you know what has happened to you. Now, if, if I was to walk down from, from, from this stage right now and, and walk up to Brother Rick and just slap him in his face as hard as I could. Now, I wouldn't do that. Pretty big guy. Uh, but he's a nice guy, so, you know, I'd, I'd probably get away with it. Uh, but if I did it, everybody in this room would see it People would be shocked about it, but most people would just go on about their life and forget it. Guess who would remember it forever? He would. He would. Now, let's say he was a first-time visitor, and I did that to him. (laughs) Well, he's not coming back, that's for sure. But he might leave here. If he was traveling and he just stopped in our church, and I just got off stage, slapped in front of this whole room full of people, um, he might not remember that it was August 30th, 2020, 10 years from now. 
He might not remember the name of the pastor. He might not remember the, 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 the address of the church at 4401 Georgetown Drive, Jacksonville, Florida. He might not remember all that stuff, but 5, 10, 15, and 20 years from now, till his mind let loose, he would always remember the slap. Now, why would he remember the slap? Say it again. Because it happened to him. It was personal, and it made an impact. I want to tell you something. Salvation is personal, and it makes an impact. And if you ever get real salvation, you're not going to be sitting there thinking, well, I hope I'm saved. I get that all the time. I ask people, are you, are you born again? I hope so, preacher. I'm trying. You don't try to be born again. You, you, you is or you ain't. And so you got to be, tra the Bible says God does this work. This isn't something, you can't try to get your ducks in a row. You can't be a good enough person to get saved. God has to do the work of salvation. It's God who delivers us from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. It says he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I wonder today, have you been translated? Now, let me give you a little something on the word translate. The Greek word translate there literally means to remove from one place to another. Uh, what's that song? Oh, Amazing Grace. That part in Amazing Grace, it says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was there ever a time in your life where you realized you were lost, but now you know you're not? See, if you don't know that, then you're still, guess what? Lost. You haven't been translated yet because the process that God wants to take everybody through is that being translated from there to where he wants you to be. It not only does it mean to remove from one place to another, it means a complete change of where you are. Have you had that kind of change? Or are you still being you? It, it, uh, the last, if you look in the Greek dictionary for this word, the, the third definition for this word is to depart from life and die. To depart from life and die. And I want to tell you something. To get saved, you got to let go of your life. you got to die to the old you. That's why God gave us uh, the ordinance of baptism as, as a figurative as an illustrative sermon, when, when someone gets baptized, they go down into the water uh, and, are, and are buried figuratively with Christ in death and raised to walk in newness of life. It, this is the translation that happens from lostness to being saved. And this is why so many people don't love God and, and, and don't feel excited to be in church and they don't get it and it, it, it's over their head and they don't understand it because they got church but they didn't get translated. They, 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 they picked up some habits, they changed some morality, but they didn't get supernaturally translated. And I want to tell you something. No amount of trying on your part will connect you to God. you got to die to where you are and come alive to where He is. That's the translation that God wants to have in your life. So God wants to translate us from where we are to where He wants us to be. Now, second, let's think about that word transform. Say transform. In Romans 12, 2... The Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Oh, I wish I had these verses on the screen so I could teach them phrase by phrase. You can either think the way you think or you can let God change the way you think. But change is hard and people resist it. You can either think that you got it covered or you can let God change the way you think to where God has got it covered. But he starts in verse 2 by saying, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Now he's talking to Christians. Why would God tell Christians not to copy the behavior of the world? Because we do. You don't have to go far. Go, go to any, any mega church and, and just look around at what you see. Not a whole lot different from the club. I mean, they turn the lights down. They pump the fog. Do you know why mega churches turn the lights down and pump the fog machine on? Anybody know why? I'm going to help you. Because when we were out there clubbing, we weren't clubbing in well-lit, smoke-free rooms. We were out there in dimly lit rooms filled with smoke. Anybody think that's right? So they try to turn the church into something that looks like the world. Why, why, do, you, why do you think they, they, they've got, do you know the, there's a large portion of the best worship leaders in this country that are openly homosexual? In churches that preach against homosexuality? So why, why do they let bruh lead the worship? He can sing. Copying the customs of the world. The music, worldly, the light, all these things. God doesn't want us to be copycats. God doesn't want us to conform to their way. He wants us to transform where we are. He wants to transform us so that we don't look, act, smell, talk, think just like the world. Here's the sad reality. Most people who claim the name of Christ could be followed around by a lost person all week long and you wouldn't live any different than they live. They'd hear you talk about the same stuff they talk about, think about the same things they think about, laugh at the same jokes they laugh at, drink the same liquor they drink, smoke the same weed they smoke, go to the same places, and then they got to wonder. And here's, and here's what, listen, there's a large portion of lost people out there that think everybody in church is, is a fake liar, hypocrite. Because the people that they've been around don't live any different than the world. Here's what lost people need to see. Somebody who's been translated from darkness into light. Here's what lost people need to see. Somebody who's been transformed from the customs of the world into the customs of God. God doesn't want us to copy and mimic the world. And this is what happened in America about 25 years ago. Churches started changing the way they put forth their uh, format so it appealed more to unchurched people. And they call it the seeker-sensitive movement. So lost people would come into church and feel uncomfortable. Uh, and feel comfortable because, oh, man, I like that music. That's thumping. Okay, so now you feel comfortable like you're in the club. I want to tell you something. You, and I'm not on music because all types of music can be used to glorify God, but I want to tell you this. If you're here and you're lost, you need to feel uncomfortable being in this place. You, you need to feel like a, a, you stick out like a sore thumb. You need to feel like you got two left feet and, and you just don't quite have what other people in this room have because if the truth is really being told, the ones who don't have it are going to realize they don't have it. 
But it, it's okay if you're in that position. God can translate you. It's okay if you're in that position. You can be transformed. But God said, the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, let God transform you. We saw that it was the Father who translated us from darkness to light. Here we see it's God who transforms us. What you got to do is you got to quit trying so hard on your own. You got to, what did Medea say? You got to let go and let God. And if you learn how to let go, some of y'all working so hard, working your mind so hard, trying to figure out everything about Christianity. Here, I'm going to give you a, an easy road today. Quit trying so hard. Just give up on everything that you're about and say, God, whatever you have for me, I take it both hands. I'm all in times 10. You got, see, God, the Bible says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with that verse or how many of y'all listened. I'm going to read that portion again. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. According to that verse right there, how is God going to transform you into a new person? By changing the way you think. Most people don't want to change the way they think because they know what they know. And ain't nobody going to tell me different. God wants to transform the way we think because he wants to take us from where we are and transform us to a different place. Now, the Greek word, New Testament was primarily written in Greek. The, uh, the word, our English word transform was translated from a Greek word metamorpho metamorpho somebody give me an english word that you think might have came from the greek word metamorpho metamorphosis where do we most commonly see metamorphosis in our world cocoons caterpillar turn into a what that's transformed that's 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 what god was referencing metamorphic you need to have a metamorphosis in your life you need to go from what you were to something completely different and that's why people say well i'm saved and all that but i just ain't because uh, i wasn't raised that way well the caterpillar wasn't raised to fly god not interested in your raising he's interested in your changing God, God's not giving you a hall pass. Well, my parents was that, so I'm that. Uh, not if you experience metamorphosis. Not if you experience transformation. Not if you let God take control of you and make you into that thing he wants you to be. It, the, the, the Greek word metamorpho means to change from one form into another form. It's a similar concept to, to the translation. Although the, to translate... It's specifically talking about to go from lost to saved. That's the starting point. Say start. If you want to be who God wants you to be, you got to start with translation. You got to go from being lost to being saved. But to, be, to go from being lost to being saved, you got to admit that you're lost. You got to admit that you can't help yourself. You got to admit that you're, you're a sinner that deserves to die and go to hell. You got to admit that God's right and you're wrong. You got to admit that you've been living on the wrong side and let God take you to the right side. But then when you become a Christian, you move, you've been translated. Now you got to be transformed. You got to let your form be changed. You got to let the way you think be changed. You got to let God change the way you think, because God wants to transform us from who we are to who he wants us to be. So here's what I want you to eradicate from your vocabulary. Listen, this will help you in so many facets of life. Stop saying, well, that's just how I am. 
Stop saying that's just how I, well, I'm going to do me. God doesn't want us to do us. God wants to transform us. God wants to change the way we think so that we have a metamorphosis process. Listen, so we quit being caterpillars crawling on the ground like lowly insects and we let him change us into something beautiful so we can fly. Now let's look at this last word and get out of here. Transition, say transition. That Greek word transition means to change, to move, or to alter. And we are living a life of transition. We're living a life of change. Times are changing. We got people saying there's, there's, there's not going to be any, any new, uh, any, any uh, going back to the old way of life. You know, in Asia, they've been wearing masks for years. That, they just been wearing them for years around the clock. That's nothing new to them. Um, and, and now they're saying that that's going to be the new America. Uh, good, good thing, you know, we, we're a multicultural church, so uh, we, we, we've been fist bumping forever. Some of y'all are like, well, you've been fist bumping forever. I came into life fist bumping. Uh, you, know, we, you don't have to shake somebody's hand to, to have, have a, uh, a friendly greeting. But they're saying handshaking's out in America forever. I don't know about all that. But the reality is we're living in a time of change, and God is for certain types of change to take us from where we are to move us to a different place. Life is about transition. Listen to the story in Exodus 23:30. Now, this is when God had taken his people out of Egypt in slavery and moved them into the promised land, which is a picture of going from being lost to being saved. Once you leave Egypt, that means you got out of your bondage you left being lost behind. But now they were in a 40-year process of walking through the desert trying to get to where God wanted them to be. They were on their journey. Say journey. See, salvation starts with getting out of Egypt. And then you get on your journey and you let God change the way you think and then you let him change and alter who you are, what you are, and how you live. That's the transition. And I want to have a transition in my life and I want to see this church have a transition. And I want to see you have a transition. And here's what happened to them. In Exodus 23, 30, God said, Little and by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and possessed the entire land. Here's what happened. Here's the backdrop. God takes his people out of Egypt. He's going to give them a promised land. But between every promise and every promised land is a wilderness journey. See, it'd be great if we just all stepped right into it. And that's why we don't do it. We didn't do it way back when Joel Osteen made it popular. And some of y'all been in churches. Hold up your Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Every time I go to a church and they're still doing that, I think, mm, it's your Bible, okay. But do you really have what it says you have? Can you really do what it, see, it, you can be what it says you can be if you do what it tells you to do. You, you can have what it says you can have if you obey what it tells you to obey, okay? But these people, they, they were in their journey from, from the promise to the promised land, and there were giants and battles and fights and hardship and bickering and 
issues with leadership and fellowship, and it was all these problems. And here's what people wanted. They wanted God just to fix it all, and let's get us in this promised land, yo. Where are we at with this thing? We're supposed to be going from Egypt into a land filled with milk and honey, ease and peace. And I'm over here struggling and straining. We're still walking around in this desert. People want to get to an easy spot without doing the work. And we're, we're wired from birth to choose the path of least resistance. And people want to jump right into the, the, all the promises of God, but there's a journey that has to be traveled. And, and they were complaining, and they are saying, God, every time we get closer, we beat the Amorites, uh, the Philistines rise up. We, we beat the Philistines, the Assyrians rise up. When, when are we going to? And, and if you've lived any length of time in your Christian life at all, you, you've thought in your mind, man, it's just from battle to battle. When's this thing going to let up? When's this thing? Man, I'm over here serving God, loving God. I, I'm doing all I can do. When, when do I get to step into my peace? Well, listen, you can find peace in the journey. You can find peace in the battle if you know the Prince of Peace. But as far as getting out of your issue, here's what God says. God said he will get you there little and by little. Now, if you're progressing, you're in God's plan. If you're moving forward, you're in God's plan. If, if you're advancing even a little bit, and this is why I tell people all the time, Christianity, you don't have to learn the whole Bible tonight, and you won't. But what you need to do is be able to say, not as an excuse, but as a reality, I may not be all that I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. Christianity is about doing a little bit more of the right stuff, a little bit less of the wrong stuff. Walking more in the right direction than you walk in the wrong direction. Because if you start walking to God just a little bit, you're going to get closer to Him. And the closer you get to God, the more glory is going to be revealed in your life. And He's... They, you think they wanted to go from fighting the, the, uh, the Amorites to, to fighting the Philistines? No. They didn't want to fight, go from fighting the Philistines to the Assyrians. They just wanted to lay down and rest. Listen, they wanted what every real man, and I can't speak for, for non-real men because I've been a real man my whole life. They, they want what every real man in the room wants. I'm going to help y'all. You know what every real man in the room wants? He might not admit it, but I'm going to tell you what every real man in the room wants. Real man in the room wants to be sit in a comfortable chair, to be fed with big palm fronds by beautiful women, and be fed grapes one at a time. Big grapes. Don't hit him. He can't help it. You know why? Because that is a picture of you doing nothing. That is a picture of you resting and being served and putting forth no effort. And that's what people want. But that's not how God's kingdom works. See, this, this is why, and we used to do it all the time. I used to, uh, I still got the oil up here. I used to come down on the altar when we started this church, and I had a big jug of oil, and I would just slob oil, pass people out, flop around. Uh, and, and then I finally realized the same people I'm stretching out last week coming back again for the same thing. And here's what I learned in ministry. They don't want to do the work of overcoming their addiction. They want somebody to say magic words over them 
and their addiction be miraculously broken. They don't want to do the work of building a relationship day by day with God through spending time with Him on an intimate level in prayer, Bible study, and worship. They just want somebody to pray for me, pastor, and boom, it just all clicked together. That's not how God's kingdom works. Here's how God's kingdom works. You want to know how God is going to transition you from where you are to where he wants you to be? I'm going to give you the first half, see if you can finish it for me. We'll get out of here. God's going to take you from where you are to where you should want to be because it's where he wants you to be. He's going to get you from where you are to the place he created you to be, little and by. That is it. That's how God works. God doesn't change. That's how he did it in Exodus. That's how he's doing it today. Well, I'm just ready to be done with this journey. Uh, no. Not how God does it. See, God wants you to glorify him in the struggle. God wants you to give him glory in the strength. God wants you to go through the same thing his son went through. Jesus went through suffering. Jesus went through abandonment. Jesus went through rejection. Jesus went through hunger and thirst. Jesus went through adversity. And let me tell you, I know this for sure. When you go through all that and you still win, it's fantastic. All right, we were at the game uh, last year when uh, the Patriots played the Dolphins. And it's funny because I'm a lifelong Dolphin fan, but we went there to root for the Patriots. <laughs> Did you get the shirt? We brought you back a shirt. Okay. Um, dolphin fan. But we went there to root for the Patriots. You got a Patriots shirt on today. That's funny. And every other day of the week. Uh, but <laughs> we went to root for the Patriots, and not knowing it was going to be Tom Brady's last year as a Patriot, they beat the mess out of the Dolphins. What was the score? 43 to nothing. How many pick sixes? I never even heard of a game with multiple pick sixes. That's, that's an interception return for a time. It was just a beat down. It was such a beat down in that 98-degree South Florida heat. Uh, and we had the special seats where you, where you get the concession stands in the special club level underneath with the air conditioning. Me and Seth vacated those seats. We were right there on the 45-yard line. I, you could see the sweat on Tom Brady's face. We saw the only touchdown uh, catch that uh, Antonio Brown ever made for New England because they boosted him after that game. But we, they, they just destroyed him. There was no magic to it. Now, Jake loved it because that's his team. But there was no drama to it. There was no, you, do you know if you beat somebody 42 to nothing, that's all high fives and cool. But if you come back, who was it beating them so bad in the Super Bowl? Atlanta. Had the biggest lead ever on the Patriots in the Super Bowl. What, 28 points? Patriots came back. Listen, when, when you struggle and you fight and you claw, the victory is sweeter when you had to shed blood, sweat, and tears to get it. I want to tell you that. And what did Jesus do? He shed blood, sweat, and tears to purchase the life of the church. Guess what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to take our journey. So here's what you got to do in your journey. you gotta, you got to let God change you. you got to say, okay, God, and here's why most people can't get it. Pride. You got to say, I don't have it all figured out, God, but I'm willing to let you change me. I don't have it all figured out, God, but I want, I, I, I'm willing to be humble enough to alter my life, let you alter who I am so I can be who you want me to be. God, God wants to transition us from where we are 
to where he wants us to be. And through all this transition, I want you to keep one thing in mind, and I'm done. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you got saved and God was great and awesome and you loved everybody and everything, because that's what happens when you really get saved. When you really get saved, the, the, the sky is bluer, the birds sound better, life is more awesome, everybody's more wonderful. When, when, when you were in that time frame, Jesus was the same then as he is when you've been saved for a while and you got bitter and you don't like to preach anymore and you got problems with folk. Listen, Jesus is still the same. The same God that saved you then wants to bless you now. The same God that saved you then wants to grow you now. The same God that saved you then wants to change you from where you're at to where he wants you to be. So here, here's, here's the bottom line. God wants to translate you. If you're here and you're not saved, you need to move from darkness to light. If you're here and you're not saved, you need to be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son. Not only does He want to translate you, but God wants to transform you. He wants to change the way you think. If you're saved, God wants to change the way you think because all of us have some stinking thinking. And until we let God change the way we think, we're always going to be struggling in our journey. We got to let go of what we think we know and we got to embrace what God has for us. And that's not always easy. And lastly, God wants to transition you. God wants to take you in every season of your life and move you from this season to this season. He wants to move. He says promotion comes from the Lord. He, he, he moves one up and he moves another one down. Do you realize based on the context of that sentence that even a uh, move down is a promotion according to that verse? Promotion comes from the Lord. He moves one up, he moves another one down. They're both a promotion because God took you from where you are and put you where he wants you to be. And anytime God puts his hands on you and moves you to where he wants you to be, that's a promotion. You may feel like the season you're in right now is more difficult than your last season. That, that God has you where he wants you to be. But you got to grow at the right pace. you got to embrace your space. And, and, and here, here, here's what you need to know. If you resist where you are, You'll never grow where you are. If you resist the season you're in, if you mumble and grumble and complain about where you are, you'll never grow through that place. You've got to embrace your place. You've got to believe and agree that God is in control. He's in charge. When you don't understand why it hurts, when you don't understand why it won't change, when you don't understand why you're stuck, when you don't understand why things aren't moving the way you think they should, you just need to breathe. And say, I trust you, God, even now. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same as when you were happy. He didn't change. Guess who did? Hmm. So here's what I want everybody to do today. I want everybody in the room to make a decision for Christ today. I want everybody in the room to make a decision for Christ today. If you're here and you're not saved, I want you to get saved today. If you're here and you're not sure that you're saved, that means you're not. Or you got mental issues. I, I can't decide. I mean, if you're here and you're a man, you know you're a man. If you're here and you know you're a woman, you know you're a woman. If you don't know, then you need counseling. But you know whether or not you're truly born. If you, if you think maybe you're not, then surely you're not. Because if you were saved, you'd know it. 
because you would have had a metamorphosis. You would have had a real change in your life. But if you're here and you're not saved, I want you to get saved today. You don't have to do anything weird or spooky. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, that you can be saved. If you're here and you are saved, I want you to make a decision for Christ today. I want you to decide to change. I want you to decide to let God change the way you think. To start getting rid of stinking thinking. To start, to start getting rid of resisting where God has you and embracing your, your place. And let God give you grace for your space so that he can create in you what he's designed you to do. But you've got to make a decision for Christ, Christian, that says, I'm going to go all in for God. Everybody in this room needs to go all in for God today. Because the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the only real God there is. The only real peace and sustaining peace and eternal peace that you'll ever find can only be found through uh, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the only way to heaven. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't get to heaven any other. You can't be a good enough person to get to heaven. You can't give enough money and offering to get to heaven. You can't do enough good deeds to get to heaven. The only way you can get to heaven is by having your sins forgiven. And we can't be good enough to have our sins forgiven, so Jesus paid for our sin. The Bible says the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. He died for me and he died for you. And if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. The Bible says if you call on his name, he'll save you. If you're lost, you need to call on God today to save you. If you're saved, you need to call on God today and repent. I'm in a season of repenting myself. You need to call on God today and repent, and you, and, and, and you need to ask God to change you. Change the way you think, change the way you live, and let you be the person He created you to be. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for change. Father, I thank you for translating us into your kingdom. God, I thank you for transforming us from where we were to where we are. And God, I thank you for your willingness to transition us in every season of our life. God, I pray for the people in this room, Lord, those who, who don't know you. Father, I pray for every unsaved person in this room right now that you would give them an overwhelming realization that they are not saved. God, I pray for every Christian in this room right now. God, I pray that you would give us a desire for righteousness, God. I pray that you'd give us a desire for true repentance. God, I pray that you'd give us a desire to be and to do all that you called us to be and to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.